Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to Over the Top Radio. This is Inside the Peloton. I'm Dave Toll. We're being joined for part two with Rebecca Rush. Rebecca, really appreciate uh, your time here and uh, enjoyed enjoyed learning a bit about the young Rebecca <laughs> on her way into what has become, and I think for me, the landmark moment was uh, the Race Across the Sky movie. I, I, I'd known who yeah. you were already, but uh, that was a platform that I would think that uh, helped launch you to another level. Was that fair? Absolutely. It totally launched my cycling career. And, um, you know, I'd been doing 24-hour racing, but it really wasn't until, uh, you know, I won that first Leadville and, you know, made it into the movie and that, that I really kind of made it to the big times. And I was a little shell-shocked just, you know, being a sort of undercover athlete in a lot for a lot of years then that was a big stage for me to be on and and coming back the second year and then to win four consecutive years and people knew my name you know that was um it really did launch help launch um the second part of my career which was a totally unexpected mountain biking career were you the fact that uh, you'd gone through what you'd been through along the way through the travel and the 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 camaraderie that you'd had through adventure racing and did that help you uh, adapt to this I mean because there is this uh, bizarre thing that happens when you become Todd Wells or Rebecca Rush where anytime you go to an event people are going to expect you to be on your A game and you're going to be talking to you know dozens if not hundreds of people and it's uh it's a burden it, I would think. I mean, I I see that, you know, at Interbike or any of these events, you are one in-demand person. Seems like you're pretty well prepared for that, though, all things considered. Maybe more than some other athletes would have been. Yeah, I think having so many years as sort of a, um, you know, a, a professional athlete, but, you know, one that sort of nobody really knew, um, it, it was actually exciting for someone to get a call up or for someone to you know, outside of the, the little adventure racing world, um, you know, I was sort of a, a big fish there, but in a little pond. And so suddenly I was swimming in the cycling ocean that it's way larger. And it was actually really flattering to have people, you know, put a little article out about me or do something because for a long time, you know, I have a marketing degree and I was beating the pavement, trying to, you know, make ends meet, make a little money here and there so that I could keep uh, doing what I wanted to do. So, I was actually really flattered and enjoyed sort of being in the limelight because it, it meant I could one, keep doing what I love doing, but also all those people at Leadville and the way mountain biking it is, 
it's a family community and all those people understand how hard the Leadville 100 is because they're on the course too. We're mixed in together. It's not like basketball where the pros are on the court and they're untouchable. You know, in mountain biking, you're all together. And so these people were my posse as well. And them patting me on the back saying, good job, that felt, that felt really good for me. Um, and so, yeah, it's a burden sometimes when it's, you know, five minutes before the start of the race and somebody wants an autograph and you're like, ah, but the rest of the time, interbike, after the race and all, I really enjoy it. And one of the things I do every year at Leadville is, you know, the years I won, every year I, I go quickly shower, I come back and I sit at the finish line until the 12 hour mark for hours, just watching people, high-fiving people, soaking it in. Cause I, I do love my job and I love what I'm doing and it's great to win and, and be able to make money at what I'm doing, but I would probably be doing it anyway. I really do like it. So it's a burden, but, but also not that big of a burden. Yeah. You know, I love the way uh, you've, you've got a perspective on that, that I can really appreciate. Um, and so when we uh, look at Leadville Trail 100, I, I was thinking to myself, uh, I don't know if you told me, Dave, we got to get you trained up. We're going to ask you to complete one of these two events. It's your choice. You can either do the Dirty Kanza 200 or you can do the Leadville Trail 100, which in your mind mm. is, is a tough, well, and I guess everybody's physiology is different, you know, like, uh, am I an altitude guy? God only knows, Rebecca. <laughs> but <laughs> what, what do you think, which event on paper, I guess, is more demanding, tougher to finish? I, you know, I'd have to say they're probably a really close tie because, you know, Leadville takes me about seven and a half hours to finish you know, the years I've won it, uh, Dirty Kansas takes me 12, a little over 12 hours to win it. So you've got more time on the bike on, on Dirty Kansas, and definitely, you know, that takes its toll. Some people feel, finish well into the nighttime. So you're riding longer at Dirty Kansas, um, but you're way higher elevation, uh, which is a whole other factor um, in the Leadville Trail 100. So I almost give them a tie. I think both what they really require even more than you know, a lot of fitness is this extreme mental toughness to be able to stay on your bike for that long and to get to the finish line of, of one of those events. It takes a lot of mental toughness and things like, you know, I count or I play games in my head or it's a lot of time to try to stay focused and attentive. And, and I think that's where people really lose it more than the physical aspect is they just get bored or they're just frustrated or they just, their head's not in the game anymore. Think about that. Ten hours in, you've lost your focus. All of a sudden, you're <laughs> knee deep in a rut on the side. You know, like, they, 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 yeah. I, can yeah. Only, I, I, I love that that ends up a tie. What other events are uh, comparable right now to those two uh, as far as the scope, like on the different metrics? Like, those are both incredibly well-organized events. They've got a, uh, just a culture built up around them. And, any other event I'm missing right now? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you kind of what's the, the evolution of what's happening with me for cycling. You know, I went from 24-hour racing, Leadville 100, a lot of 100-milers. And now, um, you know, I've really, the mountain bike stage races and sort of the ultra-endurance thing, kind of adventure exploratory riding is is where I'm evolving to. And a lot of people are. Um, I mean, you can look up any country in the world and go do a mountain bike stage race there. And it's 
a great way to, you know, go to Slovakia or go to New Zealand or go wherever you want to go and, and tour. And somebody lays out essentially a mountain bike vacation for you. At this point, there's a um, trans yeah, anything, isn't there? Like trans out, trans Canada. Is that, absolutely. that's what we're talking about, isn't it? Yeah. And it's really exploding. You know, Transalp is one of, you know, in the Cape Epic, those are two of the sort of biggest ones that people know about. But I tell you, you can look up, you know, mountain bike stage racing on the internet and you will find multiple things in every country of the world. Um, and that's pretty amazing place. It, it's a pretty, it's what has filled kind of my adventure racing, you know, international travel and scratch that itch again, where I'm able to combine, you know, my, my bike racing but with these long multi-day, you know, ultra endurance events um, that are really cool. And then you take that to the next level and you're seeing things that are like that. But instead of being a stage race, it's a nonstop, like the Colorado trail race. Um, I did a race in Idaho this year that was 444 miles, nonstop, self-support. You carry your own stuff. You sleep where you want. You don't sleep. So that took me 44 hours and 44 minutes to do that ride nonstop. This was the yeah. Cocapelli ride? No, this was a, a thing called Smoke and Fire. But the Cocapelli ride is kind of what launched me into this evolution of wanting to do adventure exploratory riding. I did Cocapelli two years ago, and that's 140 miles, and it took 13 and a half hours. Unsupported, you know, so, correct? You, you're not, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so what is cool about that is you're navigating, you're you're packing your bike, you're deciding what stays, what goes, what medical gear do I bring, what food do I bring, a uh, water filter. And so it really is tying together the two sort of things I've really done for a long time in my life with the adventure racing and, and then now combining it with a bike. And so this year, it's been kind of cool. I did the two biggest rides of my life this year, you know, at 47 years old. Um, one was that, that smoke and fire. is the longest ride I've ever done, 444 miles. And you're working um, that ride unsupported? That you're working using a water filter and carrying all of your food? Yep, or you're stopping. You plan your route. You look at the route that's, that's on, you know, they give you GPS coordinate, and you plan, okay, I'm going to go through a town right here, and so I'm going to hopefully hit it when the mini mart is open or I'm going to go next to a stream there and I know I can get water there. And so you really do have to plan and strategize of, am I going to sleep? Am I going to push on or, or wait for the convenience store to open or, or at, there's a campground, I can find a water source there. And it adds a lot of thinking, which I really like about sports is what I loved about rock climbing is, is this kind of riding. It's cerebral. It's not just going around in circles mindlessly um, for as long as you can, you really have to think about it and strategize. And it's not always the fittest person that wins. It's, it's maybe the smartest, most strategic person that wins. Man, this is exciting. I, I really... It is. <laughs> like, you know, Enduro, that, that whole concept, I'm, I get it. <clears throat> Seems really cool. This is something that's next level to me, hearing you describe it. Sounds like there's a lot of potential for people to have uh, great life experiences doing this kind of stuff. So I'm going to follow along on that one for sure. Cool. Rebecca. Awesome. So uh, I remember, you know, we're, we're joking about inside the Peloton and how that's certainly not really your world, but I do remember you in a Peloton. I guess it was Bend, Oregon for the master road nationals. I think you jumped in mm -hmm. with the, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done a couple road races. I, I have a time trial bike, you know, I've, I've sort of dabbled in road racing a little and it was really cool for me. You know, and I cyclocross race a little, I ride my snow bike. I believe that, you know, all those things, I'll do some enduro racing because they do still bike riding and they all support, you know, your skill level. But the road racing was really cool to jump into that um, scene a little bit. And I liked it. I loved the time trial aspect of it. And the road racing, I liked, but I couldn't understand, like, what why everyone doing. was play, playing games. They're <laughs> yeah, playing they, games. They do. Lot They're of like, going just on. ride your bike. You it's know, the funny. gun went off, and then we were pedaling slowly for half an hour. And I was like, didn't the race start? Did I miss something here? And like, you know that there's a girl <laughs> up the road, don't you? Like, we all acknowledge that there's someone, you know, I love that about road racing. That's why, yeah. But I don't ex- that is one of the things so going back to that actually uh that was when i think i really i uh your husband greg who's an awesome Mm -hmm. guy was working with chad sperry and brad ross and the uh breakaway productions crew at that event yes and because he he was uh working the event and you were there you i actually remember you working helping breaking down the course one night downtown bend yeah like that is (laughs) that's a woman that is uh definitely all about growing the sport if you're out there throwing fencing at eight o'clock at night you're a rock star uh but who needs crossfit you know you just uh, right it's a crossfit thing yeah but uh, at, at that point, I remember talking to you, and we uh, were talking, I think, about you coming to Levi's Grand Fondo and, and how yeah. cool that was. And we had a five-minute conversation, and I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I was like, Rebecca, you know what? You need to have a Fondo of some kind. Come on. And you, I, I think maybe at that point you thought, yeah, I do. And that worked out pretty well, didn't it? You were it was you were one of the first people to encourage me to kind of do something like that. And all along, I thought I was going to host a mountain bike race where I live in Ketchum. But then, you know, I talked to you. I did a little road racing. I went to Levi's Grand Fondo. I went to Dirty Kansas, and I was like, you know what? Gravel, gravel's where it's at. This is what Idaho has to offer. I can bring more people because mountain biking is awesome, but you can only have so many people on single track. And so the spirit of all those events and the conversation with you and Yuri and Vanessa Hoswald really encouraged me. And so did Levi. I was like, yeah, you can do this. And you said to me, look, you got a big enough name. I'm like, no, no, nobody's going to come ride with well, me. And, and at that point, you know, I, it was about, awesome. Yeah. I mean, and I got to throw Carlos Perez and Angel Absolutely. into that group as well. And Greg Fisher, who has left Bike Monkey for other things, but uh, they are the best. And I know they love they, you. Yeah. They believe they jumped you. on board. They Absolutely. believed before I believed. And so I needed that little push because. As we said in the earlier podcast. Um... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, I'm conservative, you know, and I, you know, I needed the risk to somebody to say, take this risk, put your name on something, put a whole bunch of money down and they will come. And, you know, private Idaho has been going three years now. We had almost 500 riders this year. We've raised a bunch of money for people for bikes, IMBA, um, World Bicycle Relief. And now our, our local, you know, first year Idaho high school uh, mountain bike league. And I, every, I can't believe people come, but you know, they come, they ride with me. Everybody has a good time. So thank you for uh, push, giving me that little push I needed. Well, listen, and I also want to say, listen, believe me, it's all you, kid. The uh, Dirty cans of folks, Leland and that crew, they also really believe in what you're doing. And then what I noticed was there is this, un- and going back to what you were talking about earlier, is this unbelievable community that exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of like to think that the overlap between, and Yuri Hoswald actually is sort of like the in every common strain of DNA in this thing. It's pretty amazing. He and Dan Hughes have got an awesome thing going, but you can just see that there's this symbiotic relationship between Dirty Kansas, Levi's Grand Fondo, and the RPI, or I, sorry, I abbreviated, the Rebecca's Private Idaho. And these events help boost each other up. They give each other ideas. They raise the quality. And don't, uh, you know, I don't know how many people were there at year one of the Fondo, but I think, or of Rebecca's Private Idaho, but I think it was probably around 200. Is that fair? Just, yeah, not quite. And, you know, the whole town was was on fire uh, 10 days before we had, yeah, the town was evacuated. And the biggest challenge I've ever faced in my life is do we host it or do we not? You know, the airport was closed. Restaurants were closed. It was so stressful for me. And at the same time, I'm a firefighter, so I was fighting fire. I was trying to save my town, working 17-hour shifts, and at the same time coming home going, do we hold the event? People are emailing me. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Is the smoke going to clear? I don't know. Um, It was really scary and exhausting, but, you know, we pulled it off. It was the first event back, and so it was almost like a rejoice of the town coming back to life and and it was small that first year, but intense. Yeah, for a first year <laughs> event, you could not have more just adversarial scenarios <laughs> that you're having play out. And the other thing to note is that, uh, and one, I, I, we will get back to you being a firefighter, uh, but also <laughs> about half of the hardcore volunteers that you had, the people that were going to be really taking those key positions we're also working out of the same fire department, I would imagine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So and they were they exhausted also and they still working... came up for me and exactly. got up early. And yeah, we were stretched to the limit. But And that's what's special about cycling and the community that I live is people really came together for this and they continue to do so. And it's, it's really kind of, it brings tears to my eyes every morning when I go out and I see my name on the banner and I see the street department, the fire department out there, you know, breakaway promotions out there, Greg out there at five in the morning setting up. It, it brings tears to my eyes. 
Yeah, well, it should, you know, because not <laughs> well, there's there's not many people though. It, there's that old you reap what you sow in this world, Rebecca. And uh, I can tell you as a supporter of yours that I haven't seen anyone who's been in, in a more genuine way done what ten, what you've done has been really, really incredible. So you deserve to feel that support. And I, I, I hope that, and what is the cap on the number of riders maximum that we can have for RPI? Is it a thousand we, riders? Is that? I don't know. We haven't said it yet, you know, and I, our, the, our permits are, are open at this point and, and I'll set the cap myself. What, what I really want to make sure happens with this is that it, it always feels, I mean, yeah, growth is great, but I don't, it's not about the money or how many people I can get here. I, I want to impact a lot of people, but I feel really strongly that I want it to feel like a home, a down home event that people can, I'm approachable. They can ride with me. They can hang out with me. Um, so I don't want it to get so big that it loses its um, personality. And so that's what I'll keep an eye on, you know, but maybe a thousand people I think can fit on the course and, I, I think you know, so. we'll see. The yeah. Day, the day that someone gets turned away from Jolanda quaffing, that's, <laughs> that's the day that we know that we've become too big. Okay. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so the one thing uh, that I, I really loved about the event uh, outside of the cycling element was the relationship with that community. Uh, I was, mm-hmm. I was surprised how like, Ketchum and Sun Valley really are, I guess, where you'd say like down home and first class meet there, you know, because I mean, it is amazing how nice everything is and all of the woodwork and the care that's been gone into building that town. It's been well thought out, but it's also as friendly of a place like so while you guys are out doing the ride and I'm hanging out at the announcers finish line thing. It's a nonstop stream of people coming up saying, we love this ride. This is awesome for the community. My husband's out nice. riding. I love this. We're, you know, it's, it's about as positive as it gets. Is that, is that fair to say? Has there been a negative impact? Is there, anywhere you go, I guess there's going to be someone who says, boy, I, I hate that Rebecca's private Idaho. Boy, what jerks. You know, in our surveys, it's like people complain like, oh, the road was rough or there were cows on the course. And I'm like, all right, if that's our biggest complaint, then uh, it's no problem. You know, Ketchum describes itself. They have this hashtag, it's small town, big life. And you kind of described it perfectly. And it's what I felt when I came here. I lived out of my car. I lived everywhere. I've been around the world. But I came here and I was like, wow, there's something different about this place. And I instantly felt welcomed. I was invited on a ride. I, I, I didn't feel like I came in as a stranger. I felt like I came in as a local. And that's how I want people when they come to ride here. I want them to feel like the way I did when I first came as a local. And and it's a really special place. It is. It's hard to explain. It's hard to get to. But I think that's what makes it really unique. Yeah, you could say, well, and that's Telluride kind of the same way. So mm-hmm. does being a firefighter give you just instant credibility in the community? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Everybody loves the so. firefighter. It's yeah. not like being a cop, you know. <laughs> being anti-firefighter puts you into a really bizarre, small, angry uh yeah. Who, yeah. Who yeah. doesn't love a firefighter? <laughs> is, that, is that where you met your husband, Greg, at the fire department or out on a bike ride? How did you guys ever uh, 
come up? No, we met on a bike ride. My very first ride that I did, the very first time I rode 100 miles on a mountain bike, there was an underground, you know, organized thing here called the Wood River Wonderful 100. And I hadn't been in town that long. I didn't ride a lot, but it toured like all these trails. I'm like, hey, what better way to get to see a whole bunch of the single track around around town so it linked together all this stuff 100 miles um and so i got out my little map adventure racing style had all my stuff for the whole day to support myself um and i met greg on that ride and i remember uh kind of he rode over some rocks that like i i couldn't ride over and i was just like wow like he's really good rider you know and he was super cute and so we met on the ride and then um Later, you know, I was already on the fire department, but he joined later and, you know, he went to 24 hours in Moab with us. The first 24 hour race I did, he'd already been doing 24 hour races. So he was kind of one of the ones who's like, Hey, you know what? You should try this. Yeah. He kind of pushed me to do it. So he kind of entered me into that world and, and now he's a full-time fire firefighter and uh, going to paramedic school. And so he ended up getting a full-time job and then I'm part-time with the department. But he's my boss now. You know, he is a higher ranking than I do. Uh, so, they, Rebecca, they say you can <laughs> learn a lot about a man in three different scenarios. One, when uh, untangling the Christmas lights. That's one. Mm-hmm. Second mm-hmm. is uh, when the airline loses his luggage. You also learn a lot about a person in that situation. And, uh-huh. then, and then third, doing a 24-hour mountain bike race. You're, you're going to find out throughout that 24 hours where the week the weak spot is with this guy, you know? Oh yeah. And we raced together. We've been teammates. He's solid, but Christmas lights, no way. Luggage, no way. But uh, 24 hour racing, no problem. <laughs> so, Hey, what is next for you coming into uh, what I'm going to guess? There's a, 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 some kind of mountain bike stage <laughs> race in South Africa, Cape Epic, maybe. You know, I've done Cape Epic um, a few times, and it's an awesome race. Uh, the biggest problem I have is deciding what to do because there's so many cool events. But um, big priorities right now is um, is uh, promoting my book, Rush to Glory, and doing speaking engagements with that stuff, which is really cool. Um, but then I also need to I need to keep my own riding goals. I'm not dead yet. You know, I'm not retired or, or anything along along those lines. And so. Um, I plan to spend some more time in Southeast Asia. I did a month-long bike expedition there this year um, that was really important. Yeah, so I was in Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia doing a bunch of riding. I'll go back there again. Um, and then my I'm really interested in races like Colorado Trail Race, like I mentioned to you, that are um, unsupported, you know, 400-miler sort of things. There's quite a few of those. There's one in Italy I'm looking at for next year. So I really want to intersperse a couple of those big bike adventures into my year. Um, but I'm also going to private Idaho is alive and well, the book promotion, you know, working with the high school league. So it's, I got to fit it all in It's hard, but I'm kind of looking to it. Maybe, maybe a Guinness world record cycling or something like that. Cause for me, I need to have a goal. I need to have a personal goal as well as all these other career goals. Um, I get really lazy if I don't have, a race on the horizon or something that, um, that gets me out the day when it gets me out on the bike when it's cold and I don't want to do it and go do hill learnables. So I gotta, I gotta have a goal like that. What I think about most a, of us do. What about uh, I did a bike? Have you done that? 
I haven't done it, and I've done some long snow biking. Uh, Jay Peterberry puts on one in Idaho that's a 24-hour, 200-kilometer. I've done that a couple like it, times. Doesn't sound um, like it's moving your needle, though. That's, that's, uh, I have a feeling. You know what we should do? We should open this up to uh, uh, yeah. your, your Twitter Su- handle. Is Suggestions, at, yeah. What's exactly. the next big adventure for uh, Reba? Because um, one, the snow, it, I have trouble with the snow, I will say, and I'm a little leery because I have some lung issues. And so, so the cold races I've done, my so lungs we'll have suffered a little the, bit. Keep it close to the equator then. That's all we yeah, ask. Is warm, yeah, warm nothing. weather. Um, so yeah. uh, it is uh, at Rebecca Rush, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, all my handles, uh, Instagram, Twitter, perfect. Facebook. Or my name. And of uh, course, yeah. I, I read your book uh, right when it came out, Rush to Glory. It's, it's inspirational. Uh, if you haven't read it, I absolutely encourage you to take the time. Uh, you will blaze right through it. It is really, really engaging. So uh, continue good luck on the, the, I guess that would be the other thing. Uh, as we thank you for your time, I want to make sure people who want to see you have a chance. And is the uh, your uh, gold rush? tour is that going to continue yeah yeah actually which is really cool the 3m gold rush tour is uh just celebrated its fifth year and that's a series of women's and girls events that i do with SRAM um and a few other partners uh niner and, and i just i tour around you know and and go kind of get more women on bikes so we're we're setting up our tour stops this year we'll definitely be at sea otter and crankworks but we're also looking at adding in some road and gravel events too um and bringing in some more uh, SRAM athletes, female athletes. And that's really a big part of my year, and it's really fun for me to be able to go different places and ride with a bunch of ladies. Well, we know that you'll be at Sea Otter. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rebecca, we appreciate you. Really do. <laughs> you keep doing what you're Thanks. doing out there, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you out at uh, a race or on the trail or somewhere soon. So thanks a lot. Yeah, and Labor Day weekend, we'll uh, see you here in Idaho. Absolutely. So, Rebecca Rush, you keep doing what you're doing. And uh, I'm Dave Toll for Over the Top Radio. Thanks for joining us on Inside the Peloton. And a big thank you to Rebecca Rush for joining us. Talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.